This is the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast. Does it classify you as an adult to own an umbrella? What's the other one you use? Grubhub or something? Grubhub? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not getting it for you. So now he's the yawn guy? We'd like to tell you about our friends over at Right on Trek, a new company that's innovating the outdoors. You know, they for sure are innovating the outdoors, like backpacking meals. I mean, they do, they're available nationwide now in stores, which is super cool. Everybody, you know, across the nation can get, uh, get their required meals they need for a certain outdoor adventure. The cool thing that they're doing over there too, is you can go to their website and you can, whatever fits your individual need for calorie count, you know, how many days you're going. People. Exactly. The number of people that uh, you got going on your trip, they'll, they'll help you through that. Um, you know, some people may not be uh, very, you know, keen on what food to bring, things like that. Right. Um, another bonus they're doing at Red on Track is they got, uh, they got snacks that are, you know, they're... With each meal. Exactly. They're, that was a shock to us when we're seeing that because, we, you know, we've dealt with some competitors and things. And Well, it's funny because they're like, what is, do we add the cheese or do we just eat the cheese? Right, because we had a cheese stick on ours. And, you know, they got a bunch of other things they're putting on, you know, different meals. They got jerky, tuna, uh, I mean, nuts, crackers. I mean, all that essential high-dollar protein that you need on your outdoor adventures. Um they're another thing that separates them, which is really cool, is they're fresher ingredients. And it's it's truly like you're cooking in your kitchen on a Tuesday night getting ready to go to work the next day. Uh you it's not just add the boiling water to the meal. It's you can sit there and you can stir it, get your chef boy idea on. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's 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 a cool experience and it was fun. It was definitely fun for us. Um, they, you know, also one thing that you guys got to check out too, is they are, they have a, uh, Mac and cheese rated number one by the backpacker magazine, which is super cool. We have not tried that one yet, but we are all we're going to, yeah, we're definitely going to try that. Now, the other cool thing that they're doing at Rad on Trek, it's called the wilderness edge. And basically what it is, is a 24 hour, 24 seven, excuse me, automated vending machine. You can walk up check out everything you need. You can even reserve it in advance online. And so what you can get there, you can, it'll support your backpacking, camping, hiking gear, uh, bear spray, meals, uh, essentials, lighters, towels, all that good stuff you need for all your trips. Their first location for the Wilderness Edge will be in Glacier National Park. And it is going to be between the airport and the park entrance. They just wrapped up construction at the end of 2022. And they'll have some pictures of it later on in the spring. They also, if you are a guide, they offer a delivery service. So if you're within a 500-mile radius and you're a guide, you can set up with them to where they will deliver everything you need for clients and whatnot right then and there. If you'd like to get your hand on some Right on Trek meals, this is the best time out of the whole season. All of their meals right now are 14 to 40% off. Uh, which is their 22 lineup. So they must be getting ready to gear up to to, give, to bring all of our audience even more um, amazing meals. If you guys are first-time buyers, make sure to use the code REVOLUTION25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. 
And if you want to get to the website, you can go check out all of our social medias. Our link tree has the link. Click on the link, go there, put your meals in, get your use your promo code, and uh, you'll be good to go. So um, other than that, we have it uh, posted on our website too. So you can get linked from there too. If you're trying to get to the website, get straight to their meals, use our link. Um, and yeah, that's right on track. This is the BNB Network, and you're listening to the 67th podcast of the Bull Mountain Brothers. What's up, boys? We're down, man. We're down, Rams. Been very far and in between. Very far. few and in between. That he hasn't been here. Hey, listen, I'm on my like. We're all on our like fourth hour of podcasting in the last fourteen hours, and I'm burnt out podcasting. <laughs> Not even. I mean, it's uh, it's been about. Yeah, I'd say that's about right. That was pretty, good. Yeah. pretty pretty damn close. That was good math. Um, <coughs> we just got four. Yeah, we just got. So we were talking a long time about how. The Zoom interviews are fun because we can just do them and then do this afterwards. Well, for s- crazy circumstances, we had to do that with an in-studio guest. Yep. Do we want to say who it is now or just let it? I mean, they read the, they're yeah, read the title. Yeah, we can say it. They're going to read the title of the yeah. podcast. Our good buddy, Alan Taylor, was in studio. We got him in in between turkey hunting for 10 days and catching a plane flight. He stopped at the studio, got like a 40-minute you know, conversation. More than in. we thought that was going to happen, for sure. Oh, yeah. for sure. And uh, so now we're just kind of doing the intro for that. Um, what I'd like to do is just have a little conversation about expanding on what we did yesterday. Because in the interview, we talk a little about a little bit about running into Alan, but we had some fun. You know, Matt and I went for a shed hunting trip, and we had some really good interactions and some finds that were worth talking about. I would say. Oh yeah, we found some. Uh, yeah, I don't want to give it away yet. But. So. Out of the blue, I would say like Wednesday, Matt's like, "Hey, let's go to the ranch Friday and mess around." And I was like, "You don't have to, you don't have to beg me to do that." And so we had all intentions of shed hunting. It's just one of those deals where you do it on a random day. You don't, you know, like, do we want to get up at like four in the morning and go drive all the way there, or do we want to go, you know? And Matt really wanted to just go hang out with his dad, and then of course Alan Taylor. And so like, let's just just go there Thursday night. Let's just we threw some cots in or sleeping bags, and the way we went, yeah. And so when we got there, um, they were all waiting for us because they had made, they had shot turkeys all week and they cut them all up and they made us turkey nuggets. And we're going to talk about that later in the interview here. But um, so we were welcomed with beer and turkey nuggets to sit around a circle and, and talk about their day. And that was, you know, those are always crowning moments, memories, good times that you can look back on. Did you guys have a ranger to use? Yeah, we, we, we hauled ours out. So there was three of them out there, um, and yeah, we just we we rode it in. We left the truck at the. We went uh, went to bed about eleven and about three thirty. Trapper Dave started moving around, and I got up about four, and Riley got up about four thirty. And on, on a trip that we really could have slept in until like ten o'clock. Yeah, but 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 I'll tell you what, we had so much accomplished by eight thirty in the morning. Though I'm right. like. I really want to just get up at four o'clock in the morning there, to be honest with you. Every time we are out there. You guys kind of do pretty early usually, right? Mm, yeah. Five or six o'clock? It depends. Like, if there was a stretch there in archery season last year that Ramsey and I were literally like, I think I was driving out to your guys' house at 2.30, 2.45 in the morning. I believe it. I mean, it was wild. Oh, of course, the time change. Like the, well, we don't have to worry about the time change ever again. So we're going to nope. be hunting late. It's gonna suck because we're not we're not gonna be eating dinner till like eleven thirty. Yeah, but um, 
But so the sun's not going to come up at Matt just kind of ran right over the thing he can't stop talking about in person. So I'm surprised you didn't talk about your favorite part of the whole deal. He's not going to get it. But we've had we've talked about spike camps and this and that at that place forever. Well, him and I knew that the cabin was filled with guys. So he's like, well, I have these cots. We can sleep outside. And I was like, hell yeah, we got those... Uh, what are those sleeping bags that Ramsey has? And Matt has like outfitter, Cabela, yeah. like giant ones. It's like, we got them. Let's just use them. And uh, nonstop, he's just been talking about how that he'll never sleep inside the cabin ever again. Because it was amazing. He slept so good and it was so peaceful. Was Dave at the cabin? Yeah. yeah. He was. So you guys were, that was a full cabin then. There was, you know what? Seven the, total. The, all honesty. And two dogs. The cabin was full, but we bring more shit with four of us than they had with. Five days of hunting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about like when we go out there, though, we're literally hauling a tote of camera equipment. I know, but we got bags and this and that. And I mean, they, they really, I was impressed. Yeah. What was nice, how, too, like being outside is you could just like throw your bag under your car. Yeah, but think about this, though, too, with those guys, they're flying to get here. Yeah. So like they're already trying to be as, as efficiently light as possible. Right. And that does make sense. I mean, they really they have their gun in their bag. But, but all honesty, it made me like question why i take so much shit with me yeah maybe you'd rather have more stuff and not run out of it than you know like that's like the like the beer thing like we always bring way too much beer but it's because you'd rather have a beer there and not be sitting there and go like oh shit we don't have any more beer you know what i mean well i think what well, says is a trip to town he's all throwing out all these ideas now about how like we're just gonna start sleeping all over the ranch which i feel like you and ramsey would be down for yeah like just random like and the weather was so beautiful why not? Let's go, let's go sleep in the house up on, on the hill. And so Matt talks about like, even though we're out there, like we're legitimate. We've been legitimately like shit hunting, like hard. Like we, oh, yeah. if we find, uh, so we'll talk about in the interview how we found a, uh, we, we went to go look for one that we had a, uh, someone gave us a clue on, right? And we stumbled across one on the way there. So instantly what we do is we're going to get out and we're going to grid for about, I don't know, like about a six, 700 yard grid, maybe even more. Thousand yard grid. The other one was huge. Yeah. And look for the other one. Cause you know, that's what they say. If I whatever, we're going to try and find the set. That's part of the game, especially on a place where nine times out of 10, no one else is going to pick it up. Right. And so like we were doing it pretty hard, but at the same time, like Matt always says when he's out there, like we're looking for stuff for archery season all the time, new roads, new camping spots, new this and that. And so what we were actually doing before we found any legitimate sheds was looking for places that we could get back into the sticks and for archery season and camp and be in the elk country when you wake up. Have you guys ever thought of like the idea that Ramsey and I have now for um, archery season that we're doing for um, the mountains? We're doing four wheelers instead of um, bringing a ranger. Have you guys ever thought about doing that? Um, I'm sure it's been definitely thought about. We but- thought about it, but... But where we're at, there's roads everywhere, so it's nice having that cooler and throwing shit back there. And Yeah, and I think that I, I get what you're saying, and it's definitely been thought about, and we've actually really been considering doing that for shed hunting because you could... You could just get, get in places better. Yeah. I mean, for us, realistically, like us going to the mountains, we can't drive everywhere right? like you guys can, but also it's just, it makes it easier because we're not... Um, like bringing the ranger up there is kind of a hassle. Oh yeah, four wheelers would be a lot nicer, less fuel. Um, you know, like you were just saying, we're packing less things. Well, no, you guys could really, if you really wanted to, you could not even have to have a trailer. 
to get the ATVs up there because you could just borrow dad's deck, throw it in the back of the truck. It's true. And you would never even have to bring a trailer. Well, the problem is, is we're more than likely bringing um, his small camper. So we couldn't put the deck on at that point, but. True. The only, that was the, that's the only thing we're thinking of is like, we'll just probably, he's just going to probably pull doubles. <coughs> like, cause with a smaller trailer and just throw two four wheelers on. That's a lot, but it's doable. Cause I mean, outside of bringing two vehicles, how else do you do it? You know, the other thing we thought about doing was, uh, you sell the fifth wheel and get a bumper. Are, are, are you guys looking at like just having a main camp to come out of every day? Or are you guys kind of thinking about spike camp on top of the main camp? Ramsey's been talking about doing like spike camp stuff. And I'm like, dude, honestly, if we're there with four wheelers, we know that Valley that we're going to be hunting. And it's not that far from where we would like to camp. So we're like, you know, we could go in there all day and then be driving Just out the park day TVs and then make sure you don't. You know, the biggest thing like for me and Riley or for me personally, I can't speak for Riley, I guess, but we've been talking about this bike camp and staying out in the woods for six years, five years hard, probably probably the last three to be honest with you. But, uh, I just one time want to be in the thick of the shit in the morning when I wake up, roll out of my cot, hear bugles. Hey, I wake up there. to elk bugling. Yeah. You know, I think it's just no, it's, awesome idea. It's, a fa- it's fantastic. Be- because I just know. like one time without no ranger coming in, no four wheelers, you come in the night before you set up, you stay there and just see is it a game changer, you know, like, like Dan says all the time, you know, we should have a part, part, part of the ranch that is no vehicle access period where it's walking only. So you're not spooking them out. And I want to, I mean, I, no, it's I, a good idea. I really think it would be awesome. I've just told, one time. I've told Ramsey that I talked to Ramsey a lot about that with Narnia because I mean, the amount of animals that you spook and don't even realize when you're driving in the Ranger is probably astronomical. Oh yeah. Think about it. Well, and think about this too, is like over the years of hunting and stuff and like you, you, and I noticed this with everybody in the room, like you accumulate gear that's better suited to the place you're at. Right. And so now that we have these cooking utensils, these sleeping utensils, like all this light gear, all this stuff that we can just cart into these, you know, uh, locations, yeah. we're set up to do it. And you might as well. I mean, we could, you know, because that was a lucky thing about the, the, and that we have right on track the too. The ease of this too. Yeah. And we've, we've talked right. about using those a lot now too. Right on track. And, you know, we're not going to be, you know, the cabin has become a luxury that we don't absolutely have to be in every single day now could we go up there and take a shower could we go up there and take oh, a we're nap? gonna do that for sure yeah but we could spend a day or two or a day and a half without even stepping foot in a wheeled vehicle yeah and and really see how that changes our hunting you know because we have big goals for this year you know well, well and i think the difference is there there's going to be you know two thousand head of cattle on that south end up by camp this year well, the elk will come through on cattle, but they don't love it. They don't love to be in the same area. They'll water and then they'll move on. So the north end is going to be cattleless this year. So, but it's, I mean, it's a 45 minute drive in the Ranger. And like Sean hit it on the head. What are we scaring in that 45 minutes? Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't like the ones you see, it's too late, right? But like imagine the numbers of, the like the deer or the elk that you don't see that you spook you know and i would say too like think about like the places that we hunt on the one end it's all comfortable to us right it's not like out of the realms of like is there going to be elk like nine times out of ten i don't want to say it's easy hunting but it's it's you know it 
Yeah, it's inside and out. Yeah, like you know that like nine times out of ten, you go to this one spot, you do some calling, you're probably gonna pull some bulls in. The north side of the place, like there's definitely elk, and you've definitely you've shot elk over there. You but like you, it's so far away from your location where you sleep that like to go there every single day is a pain in the ass. But if you're sleeping over there, you can start finding these wallows that we find on the other side. These wallows, these water sources, these uh, elk highways, stuff like that. And I know, and we're going to talk about here in a second, why, like, and, and I know he's always said this, like, there's big ass elk over there. That's why his other guys won't leave the place. Yep. I have always known there, but like I said, the other place was always comfortable. It was easy. And again, like, you don't want to say easy because it's never going to be easy. It's not like you're tying him to a tree or anything. Like it's. But we were able to get up late and we knew... Okay, we woke up 20 minutes late this morning. This is what we have to do now yeah. and to get ahead of them. What what about the option of you cause you guys can get a pickup to a spot on the north side, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So what do you would I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about it, but I mean, what would be throwing a bunch of stuff that you need for a 4-day hunt in the back of a truck and then popping a wall tent up? Which actually we spoke up. about last year cuz we were going to haul in water and haul yeah, in Yeah, yeah, we we're going to do that. All honesty, the cots that we have, I mean, seriously it was like two and a half minutes to put them together. And if the weather is decent, I don't even want a tent. Like we're just gonna go and we wherever need one, yeah. Wherever we see the elk at night is where we're gonna have a a dry camp. I mean, when we say dry camp, like no fire, no nothing. Yeah, we're, like just, we're eating mountain houses at it because Matt, yep. you know, we have he's a jet boil. I could probably accumulate one later then. And it's well, not not it's right on track what, that we're gonna be using, buddy. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Right on track. Please don't. Pull my sponsor. Well, I've never well, eaten a mountain house. Why did I say okay, that? Okay, so the cool thing is, is one, the client that, that just left with Alan, he had a suitcase of mountain house. And we're like, mm, no, wrong. And we introduced him to Ride on Track last night. We should have gave him one of these last night because he was all like, he was hard he was hard on for mountain house. And I was like, dude, I wish you could just just try this once. Just try it's one. life-changing. Did you, did you tell him our uh, the code to use? Yes, yeah, I did. Told, we told him everything you need to know. If he does it, that's on him. But uh, so anyways, that was part of the adventure was just like, you know, when we have this free time, it's like, you know, because we've talked about before, you never know, like, you know, Matt's legs could get cut off tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry. I you put, fucker. I don't want to put that evil on you. Jeez. No, um, but the thing is, is like, like I hear Trapper Dave stories, you know, I went here and where I stopped for the night is where I slept. It wasn't a camp. It was just, that's where I was at. Put my sleeping bag down, put a tarp over me. It was a night. Like, I'm not going to go that hardcore. Like, I'm going to have a cot. But I, I just, I really want to try it. Like, I, I ain't kidding you. I slept so goddamn good outside the other night. That was the best sleep I've had. No shit in probably three months. And what's nice is I'll probably always bring the those heavy sleeping bags and then i'll bring a light one and i'll either you know either sleep on the heavy one on top of it, it's more cushion or if it gets cold as shit you have it you know you just leave them laying out there i mean who's gonna mess with it? who's gonna mess with your sleeping bags just get there? a no. pad just get like a nice sleeping pad that's like an inch thick and, and that's what he's talking about like just sleeping out under the stars and i think you'll agree with this too like even if there's a chance of some sort of weather you bring a five dollar like 10 by 10 tarp and we have a string that runs across, you know what I mean? It's you can always a, park the ranger, come off the rack to a tree, and you always got a... You got like an A-frame or a lean-to yeah. made out of a tarp. I mean, honestly, if the weather's shitty enough, you guys are just going to get in the ranger and leave, you know what I mean? No, no. Uh, Maybe. Uh, well, exactly. I mean, if it's raining cats and dogs at 10 o'clock at night, we're probably just going to head to the, the cabin because, I mean... Yeah, but if, like, you know, there was, like, a light chance of rain in the afternoon, 
or something like that. Like you could always make it like we'll never have to probably set up a wall tent if we unless we wanted to, which we've talked about that in the past too. Because I, you know, dad has the, the only reason tent. we didn't last year is the landowners like I'd appreciate if you guys didn't do that because I don't want the people I let on here thinking that it's okay to come and move on my property for the hunting season. Right. And that's the reason we didn't do it. But the way we're talking about doing it now, we can actually get in the boondocks where no one will ever even know where we exist. Yep. For but the, the thing is, is I mean, I bet we put on a mile and a half yesterday looking for that shed. And uh, I mean, I had my shirt off. I mean, I was, I was sweating too. Oh, I was hiking like a son of a gun for it. And, uh, I really enjoyed it, but but we found so much elk sign by hiking that, like, I'm so pumped. Like, I wish it was, like, August, like, 18th right yeah. now. Yeah, so Matt does bring up the point that we found a shed. So we're going to talk about the shed, right? Um, we had gone, we had only found the the rotten one that we were talking about, like, the petrified wood-looking one. And we had done all, what ended up happening is we we found this spot. We were, we were scoping out the, the camping spot. And I'm telling you, this thing's, like, a mile and a half in and when he says the boonies it's like you're in it <laughs> you're like you're we're in the woods woods which is amazing and i'm sure you would love that too mm-hmm. um we get a a call from you know a really scratchy don't have good service down there that's one thing he's probably gonna i don't know how he's gonna feel about it but um we got him on the phone and he's like hey my guy shot a triple bearded turkey today can you find me a taxidermist and i'll tell you right now if you're in the billings montana area and want to do a full mount of turkey no one will do one no one we finally found a guy in Great Falls, and by the time the guy's like, it's too much work, I'm just going to do a fan mount. And so we're like, well, let's leave. And we go through a spot that we go through, and I just, we weren't even hiking at this point. We're glassing, and I just catch a glimpse of something. I'm like, dude, that's a shed. I said, I'm pretty sure it's huge, like, because I just caught a glimpse, you know what I mean? And I think we've done this so much, and I think you're getting there too because of how much we've done together like when you see a fucking shed you know it's a shed right away and i saw it and i was just like shed and but like he's like really and like i was like it was just a weird experience because i was like dude i'm pretty sure it was big i don't want to be the guy that you know claims i just saw a giant shed but let's go check it out and i said i'm pretty sure it's brown because they're a little yellow they're not as white they're a little yellow on the outside so we go back to where i thought i saw it we hiked down into this little it's like a it's like a, a typical ravine out there. It wasn't too deep. It was almost identical to the one you found the dead elk in, but mm-hmm. not as steep. But like there was some places where you had to hike down and get to the bottom. And we go up to it and sure shit. It's one of it's a bull that we actually had in camera last year. We call it the Big Five, which is so cool because I I always talk to Matt about like how I love finding these bulls that are that we've scouted and hunted and stuff. And so I knew this bull, and it was like yeah we did the hoop and holler. It was cool. It was a brown shed, and we were excited about that. And so what he did is he went up, he followed the the trail up, and he graded everything to where basically it got to a pinch point where you couldn't, like, obviously the elk wouldn't have been in there anyways. Yeah. And then he hopped to the other side of a ravine and went down. And I went all the way down as far as the ravine would go that he was in, and then there was sagebrush bowls. I went three bowls over and couldn't find anything. I was like, dude, I'm probably going to find another shed while I'm out here. But my problem in my spot, I don't know if you had this in yours, sagebrush is four foot tall. Mm-hmm. So I could have walked by it four times. Yeah. And, you know, someone, we do think that someone picked it up because it was actually a location where you could get a vehicle into. Right. And there was tire tracks to a certain, Going it was off. just a weird, like a weird looking tire track. It was like, maybe they pulled over and grabbed it, but maybe that's just speculation. That's not true. 
it's might be out there somewhere. And I do believe, even though. Well, it's one of them deals when us four go back out, we're going to get it one more time. That yeah. That's how focused I am on this bull. Oh, yeah. And and then, uh, so we found this elk shed, and we're, and that's why, like, I'm like, even though I spent less time on this area, I know there's, like, there's giants in here because we've seen them. And I've seen some of the stuff we passed up there, and we're trying to shoot a big bull this year. Like, that's, that's a goal of ours because, like I said, you never know if, we don't even know if we're either going to get a tag next year the way things are mm. going, you know? So it's like, Let's strike while one of us has a tag. Right. Try to kill a big bull this year. So that's how we're planning it. We're not just planning to kill an elk. It's to kill a big one. And so that was fun. I mean, like, I just, I'm still to this day, I was like, fuck yeah, dude, it's finally to get some brown because we've had so much white sheds. Oh, yeah. Um, and so we found that and we did, you know, it was just fun to get out there and get some shit squared away um, as far as like, because we can, you know, even though it's what, May something we're still able to plan for four months down the road. And it's really nice when you have that free time to do that. Did you tell them what we've seen on the way to, to that spot? No, I didn't. We saw a Wolverine. Really? Yeah. I've never, yes. I've and seen one a, Alan actually seen one like eight miles away from there. So it's crazy. Wow. To see those, they look like a little, uh, like a little bear. bear yeah. yeah. They're crazy weird looking, but yeah. That's and cool. mean, I think I've only ever seen one in my lifetime. But, really? Yeah. yeah. That was probably one of the one, or maybe I've seen a second one. I have no idea. But, uh, and then we ended up, uh, when we met back up with Alan to eat that day, we actually, I was, I, we were on a phone call with you for a long time before they showed up. And he's like, hey, let's go look for that sheds. Cause I know, he's like, I know they were sheds. Cause like Matt and I went over there, like, dude, where, wherever your pin is showing us, we're, we're literally standing on your pin. There's no shed here. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being probably like a quarter of half a mile away from where the sheds actually, cause I well, have that. Actually, when we drove up the hill, if we were up the spine, we would have seen them. Oh, yeah. But we, we were like just, but but that this is how how weird you know like when I say glassing. Had we went up there and there would have been forty head of elk right there, we would have never seen them. Yeah, I mean it's just that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what sucks. So where we where these sheds were at, we glassed that last time we were there, and we never seen them, which sucks. We glassed it Cause hard because we don't. Do. We, I don't keep sheds that other people find. I just I'll go get them because they're fun to play with. You know. Jeez. But we let him have them because they, they spotted them. And they ended up leaving them anyways because they couldn't pack them on the airplane. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. They may end up here or not. I don't have no idea. They're they're in the same class as those sheds that you guys f had last year. But they're bigger, I would say. Mm -hmm. They're bigger. Um, so, he ended up finding a side-by-side -side set. We went and got it. It was a lot of fun. And even better, we had camera footage from two years. Because this was they were hard white. And they weren't hard white because they were in the shade. They were, they were protected a little bit. They're 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 about like those as far as texture and everything. The I I think the thing that has me so pumped on it is we have him on film two years ago and no one shot that bull yet. He's got to be just a pig. Oh yeah, this year. Yeah, he was a seven six by seven. I think I'm pretty sure that he's the one that you chased this year. Oh, I, the that and he was much bigger. Yeah, the seven by eight. I'm yeah, almost positive. Yeah. Um, so next year he's he's probably on his downhill slide, yeah, so he'll probably be a royal this year. Wow! But uh, so that was cool to find. Of course, you know, like picking up giant sheds it's, side by side, it's fun. Oh yeah. Um, and that's kind of what ended our day because right after that, we actually chased some turkey with Alan to see if he could get one, and it was kind of fun. And thunderstorm rolled in, washed the whole day. But up to I mean, we we were up from like I said four thirty to two, and we had a full day. I feel like we went and ate good dinner somewhere, and it was a it was a great day. It was a really well, great. Well, day. The, I wish Alan would have got that turkey because he was doing a barbaric hunt for that turkey. I yeah, mean, it was, it was cool. And like, what's really cool about it was I was trying to film it, 
um, the fucking thunderstorm was rolling in. There was lightning everywhere. So I'm trying to get like these views of Alan Turkey calling mm-hmm. while this, while the damn storm's coming and lightning going everywhere. And there's turkeys gobbling behind me. And I'm like, dude, please, let's kill one right now. And uh, it never happened, but I still got some. I, I posted on our story. I don't know if you saw it, but yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, it was kind of cool. Yeah. And he's a really good turkey caller. So it's really good. I'm trying so hard to get as good because I just want to. I want to be as good, you know. But well, and it just takes practice, practice, practice. I mean, yeah. it's like and we talked about that with Alan too. Yeah, for sure. But uh, that's our story for our one day. I mean, shoot, we're in the middle. This has been the most unorthodox way we've ever done anything in this company ever. <laughs> Seriously, we filmed four hours of three podcasts in less than a day. Mm-hmm. We had to miss our deadline. I'm gonna have to go home and post a podcast today, or maybe I don't know. We might have to run it tomorrow. I don't know. So our Friday listeners um, for podcast, I mean, this is a podcast 67, 64, and 65 are going to be built and posted. It's a wild jumble mess. Mm-hmm. But by the time you listen to this podcast, we'll have talked to Josh Fields of Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, and that's going to be, I'm so looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Um, this podcast will be posted after that, so you've already heard it, but we're looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. Um, unfortunately with time constraints, I think we're pretty well done for today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a fun shed hunting trip and we've got some more stuff. Uh, our turkey hunt's going to be in a couple weekends. We're looking very forward to that. We might probably hope next week. Where are we at right now? Oh yeah. No, so, no, no. We have the, uh, I guide next. We're going to be at the squire. Yeah. You guys yeah. are at the squire next yeah, weekend. Yeah. We'll be at the squire. Um, and then the following weekend's a turkey hunt. We'll probably try to look for some sheds while we're out there. Cause the guy that we're with is super chill and I think it'll be just fun to definitely be doing some shed on. Cause I know there's more Browns out there, tons of them. And Matt and I hit, I don't know, 5% of what we were going to do on that whole area. That thunderstorm screwed us. Cause we were going to go back. We're like, dude, I, cause we, when we found all those white sheds with you guys, we're like, dude, this is usually like kind of where they winter, whatever. And so after we heard that girl found that brown shed a couple weeks ago. We're like, dude, that must be where they're living. They must be over on that whole other side. Like there's a whole Matt calls it the Badlands, like the backcountry and stuff. Like I know I I can almost bet you a million dollars we could go find a brown shed back there. Oh yeah. And uh with you being there and stuff, there, the hiking possibilities, you know, between the three of us and like we could go find some it'll be fun. It's gonna be a mm-hmm. good three day trip. Um that'll be fun. Next weekend you guys are at the Squire Lounge. Um we'll probably talk a little bit about that on the outro just so it's fresh in everyone's head. But uh uh, as far as uh, everything else goes for right now, I want you guys to go ahead and stay tuned and listen to the little bit that we got Alan Taylor in today. Uh, it was a good time, and we're going to run it right now. Today, we are here with a former interview, a top listened to episode, a highly requested guest of ours is back. He came in on a whim He's going to be here for a short amount of time, but we're glad we had him. He's here on his turkey hunt from Georgia. Give it a hand for our buddy, Alan Taylor. Alan, what's going on? Oh, not much. It's been a long week, 10 days in Montana. You look a little rushed, so Yeah, it's just been the... Looks like he's been on the red eye all night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We we (laughs) we land land back in Chattanooga around 10 minutes after 12 in the morning. Very good. It'll be 1.30 before I get home. So we're just going to get right into the, the meat and potatoes here. Uh, what everyone wants to hear. We haven't been able to talk hunting stories for a bit because none of us have really been. I mean, we've done some shed hunting stuff. That's what it is. Somewhat turkey hunting. I mean, kind of. Yeah. yeah, nothing crazy. And we've been doing a lot of um, 
like our last podcast we did uh, it was no it was anything under the rainbow uh, yeah. we, we talked about uh, small business we talked about uh what was the thing you brought in the f- first vehicles and first vehicles and it was fun i had a good time uh but now we're back to some of our meat and potatoes what we want to hear is let's give a little let's give a little background first you've been here for what 10 days, 10 days. slaying them got two groups of turkey hunters going in this is this is a passion of yours correct that's right chasing uh Merriam's. i mean you do a lot of easterns back home yeah. uh turkey we got a turkey guy in here and we always talk about we love having these guys that are just hardcore turkey and whitetail guys because it's a different it's a different feel than what we do you know high mountain mule deer elk whatever sure so let's start with when you came in what your goal was what you were actually doing out here and let's just hear about how it all went yeah so as typical it's hunting so you come in off of last year's hunt, thinking this year could be the same. And, of course, it was not. Uh, the birds were tough. So we had the first group come in, um, immediately went to chasing turkeys. They did not react the same ways that they, as they did last year previously. So, you know, it's been a um, – it was a different kind of hunt. The approach is different. So we um, – uh, Last year, they were very active. They would call. They would respond to the call. They could come in. We fanned a lot of birds in last year. This year, they uh, they would react on the gobble, on the initial, you know, the, the initial call, the shot gobble. And after that, it was it was just a, a chase stalk. But once you got in within 20 yards, the 30 yards of these birds, you could work them at that point. But if you was outside of 20 and beyond, you could not work them. You had to get, you had to make your approach. You had to sneak in, get in front of them, and you had to set up and wait till they got really close before you started calling. So that put a whole new aspect of uh, a challenge to it. So yeah, the overcome and adapt. That's right. Well, and I would say that would be similar to uh, it's like you were taking your knowledge from uh, mule deer hunting almost. Exactly. You know, spot and stock, That's getting it. ahead of them. You know, and I feel like I've last year at least in that area, like we noticed that earlyish season. Mm-hmm. If you'd call at them, they'd respond a few times and then it could be, they'd be gone, you yep. know, and it'd be like, you can't get them to actually come into calls. And it's just, that did was. You, did you have different weather this year than last year, Alan? No, it was about the same. Was it? About the same. Yeah, we had good weather. Uh, I believe the birds are almost finished. I think the, there's a lot of hens that singled out already. So a lot of the breeding has already taken place. So that throws a little different twist to it. We're seeing some bachelor groups of, of long beards, you know, mature birds that are hanging together, but yet not responsive. So that tells me that the seasoning is starting to wind down. And, and how many guys did you have over the last 10 days, Alan? So we had, so be seven total. And all you guys got, got a bird, they at all, least one? Yep. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. I mean, yep. that's... Yeah, we, that, we were doing sets. Every day we had sets, and we we worked an average of... Anywhere between 16 and one day I worked 24 birds in one day. Wow. That's what we had. So, you know, you got different t- type challenges. You got people that have never hunted. You've got some that are mature hunters, uh, some that just want to be out there, you know. So it's um, – and they had – everybody had a great time. Phenomenal Montana hunt, as usual. Did you find yourself uh, – like, what was your greatest challenge to overcome? Other than, of course, we just spoke about – them having a little bit of a you know tougher time calling them in but was there a challenge that you overcame it was that wasn't normal 
the uh, the birds that you could not see were the hardest birds to work because you couldn't tell exactly which way they were moving or what their next move was. But if I could ever figure out what their move was going to be, we could we could capitalize on it. So the biggest technique that you learn, not learn, but like we talk about this all the time, especially like we're elk hunting. Mm-hmm. You can try to plan as much as you can going yeah. into every season. Mm-hmm. But every season, they're going to be in a different area. They're going to be acting a certain way. Exactly. And you have to kind of figure, you're almost like relearning how to become that hunter every single year. And so was there something, now I'm gathering Mm -hmm. that the thing that you just spoke of, getting ahead of them, blah, 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 was the, you know, figure, like the factor that made everything work. But was there anything else that uh, you kind of, not learn, but, you know, brought out of your toolbox that changed, you know, the course to be successful. I mean, we just said you were successful on every single person out yep. there. Yep. Was there anything else that you did that was just, you, you got a little bit of excitement when you did it cause it worked. Yeah. The, um, you know, I have that squeaky squeak call, <laughs> you know, that I do. And whenever I could get the birds within that 20 yard range, that, that was very successful, you know, to be able to, to squeak those birds in it's a little quiet squeak that that works very well on these Marion birds, and um, it was, uh, uh, you know, it, it was it's very fun, and and the hunters enjoyed it. That was a big thing too. You know, it really because the birds get really pumped up. So in that last approach, I think our furthest shot we had two shots that was at thirty yards, thirty two yards, I believe it was, but everything else was probably sixteen yards or less. You know that we we was able to bring them on in. And, and and did you find a challenge? Like you said, you've been here for 10 days. You said you've been here for 10 days. Did you find the challenge of like that 3.30 in the morning till 11 o'clock at night every single day? Because if I remember right, you had a group leave and a group come in the same day. So you and you and Trapper Dave did not have any, no. any downtime. No, I left with the first group, dropped them off at the airport, and the other group was walking out the door. And we went straight back at it. So, them guys are all excited. It's, it's kind of you got the guiding end of it, yep. sort of. Um, where, where 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 you have a eighteen hour day for ten days. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and then you got to still make time for Mama up on the hill. A phone call. That's another hour and a half. And, that's right. And uh, next thing you know, it's midnight, and Dave's waking you up at three thirty. Yeah. Or you're waking Dave up. Waking I'm not Dave. sure which way it went went yep. this year, but. Yep. It was uh, it was all good. Yeah, it was, it's very uh, very tiring. It was um, we did we did a lot more moving this year. Um, we we had to do a lot more chasing this year. So many miles got put on for sure. Well, that's good. And it seems like you relatively had a you know we talk about I, well, how many podcasts ago that were we talking about like uh, uh, we had a list and it was top ten you know things that like yeah. I have Tur- that, like actually. like flip your heart or like make you just like when you're out hunting you know and that one thing could happen that'll just make your day like oh you know and like we talked about i don't know how much ice fishing you do but i think you can yeah. you can maybe understand what i'm saying but they call it like a false false flag yeah when something hits and you don't catch it right or um when you see a bull elk you're calling it in and uh yeah here it is um the second their nose hits and their horns go, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're gone, right? Yep. Same feelings like that or uh, like a flared duck, you know, like when sure. you you know the noise, you know. Yep. You get what I'm saying here. That's right. One of the ones that Matt said was machine equipment malfunction. 
You're very versed with that. We've talked about it before. It seems like relatively you guys had a pretty good, you know, not a whole lot of catastrophe the whole time you were there. Oh yeah. No, everything went well. And that that's a yeah. good that's a good thing to have too, because then you can just focus on the hunting the whole time. Yep. The cool thing is, is after 15 years, Alan knows all the tricks. Yeah. <laughs> the pretty much everything's got a trick. So yeah. yeah, it does. What uh what was uh what was the biggest highlight of the entire adventure for you guys? So we picked up a triple beard yesterday. So that was a good bird. Um maybe we can pull that up. Wonderful later. wonderful hunt. Um, you know, a good all the way around, it was the the guy's second bird ever, ever killed, the second one. Uh, that was a good one. Um, had a wounded bird I ended up catching with my bare hands. Hadn't run it down and catch it with my bare hands. And 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 how'd that happen, Alan? So it's just the um, a downhill shot. So anytime you're shooting downhill, if you don't aim a little low, you're gonna shoot a little high. So we had a we had a, a good sh- you know he he held on the bird good. It's just the bird didn't take the right pellet. You know, so but we was able to recover the bird. No wounded bird. But away. but but I heard we had an ammo ammo issue at the time is yeah. why you had to go chase it down on foot. <laughs> so yeah, he um we ran out of bullets, of course. You know, uh, so he shot three times at it, and he didn't have his other bullets with him. So I didn't want the bird getting away, so I ran it down. <laughs> so it was like, you know, Waldo chasing. You know, Bugs Bunny or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, a little bit of an exercise routine yeah. for a second. So it was there. his first bird ever, his first Mary or first turkey ever. So I had him and I went to dive for him and <laughs> and I saw the cactus sit there. And I so I didn't jump on that one. So I had to wait till he got to another spot. So when I did jump for him, I got a handful of tail feathers. So I pulled his whole fan out. He left three feathers all oh, left in it. So I looked at him. I was like, oh, no. So I just dropped them all in one spot, and I kept going, and uh, finally ended up running them down. So, But it was fun. That's neat. That's cool. That is pretty cool. You can relate to that, I'm sure. Many. That's probably not the first time it's happened to you as a waterfowl hunter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've had many a times where yeah. we've had to chase down geese. That's right. But, um, I would say that would be— It's comical every time. Mm-hmm. It would be like one of the hardest things because I'm not— like a big a waterfowl guy at all. Um, recently just got into turkeys. Thinking about what you guys are talking about, though, it seems like, you know, you shoot an elk and you wound it, the thing's going to run for, yeah. you know, could run for five miles, whatever. But with a bird, that thing could be, I mean, gone, gone. Oh, you know what I mean? Because they can fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was tough. Which I'm sure has happened in the history of turkey hunting. Well, and the sure. coolest thing of all, Sean, is Riley and I were able to go out there on Thursday and uh, we were able to eat some of the bounty that that oh, alan does actually, and he calls wish, them turkey I wish, nuggets i really wish it and uh, i can tell you i didn't like turkey hunting just because i didn't like the meat mm-hmm. uh, i mean i just i didn't care yeah. for it you can't you can't cook it like a traditional turkey you just no. you can't they they're garbage yep. but i'll tell you now with your recipe it's it's life-changing yeah so sean knows yeah. you know i talk about this a lot too like i love chasing them but I, I, I am the same as Matt. I don't love eating them. So I choose, you know, I'm a person anymore that, you know, if I know for a fact I don't want to eat it, I won't kill it. I don't kill th- I don't even, you know, and this might be, you know, people listening might be not everyone's cup of tea, but I don't even kill like rabbits and prairie dogs and stuff anymore because I don't, I don't like killing things I don't eat. So sure. I've seen a lot of, uh, I've been watching a lot of videos lately on how to actually cook, like different ways you can cook mm-hmm. turkey. Um, interesting one that i saw was they were filleting basically breast steaks 
And I mean, they were like a chicken fry. They were like paper, paper thin. Mm. And then they would fry that up and then they would basically make like a grilled cheese out of it. Mm. And I mean, it looked, I mean, I'd have to try it, but it looked appetizing. So I assume the turkey nugget theory is because that's the best way to get the right cuts to make the most flavor, yeah. I would assume. Yeah, that's good. So I also butterfly the breast sometimes and stuff it and I'll bake it, wrap it up with the the cooking string mm-hmm. and you can smoke it or, or, or bake it in the oven. It turns out pretty good. Oh, yeah. yeah. The only time I ever had it as a kid is dad shot a couple during Thanksgiving. My grandma cooked them up and uh, the harder you chewed, the bigger it got. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it was, it turned me off. You can't turn, you can't eat it like a butterball. Uh-uh. Yeah. No, it was, it was horrible. I'll be honest. It, you, it was horrible. Are you a gizzard guy? Uh, no. Not really? No. I feel but like, while those nuggets, I feel, like are close to a gizzard. I guess it could be, yeah. It's a different texture, though. Yeah, they're not as chewy. That's right. Well, yeah. I wish that... It seems like every time that like any one of us can get together, or like even just you in general, the time is just so constricted, right? Because you're here for a reason. You sure. have things you need to get done. But I was telling Matt, I was like, man, how funny it would have been... Or fun would it have been had we had that extra hour... For, uh, you know, maybe could have someone, I mean, I assume, you, did you ta- did you do any uh, hunting yourself? No. You could have, though. You had oh, tags for it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to be like, we should get Alan to go shoot a turkey and then do a Matt's Minute on on how to make these turkey nuggets. But yeah. I don't know. It, it might be like a, a secret recipe. I don't know. But no. But it would have been fun. It would have been a really good time. But Oh, my brother would have gave me the recipe, even if it was secret. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fairly simple. Soak it in pickle juice. Really? First. Interesting. Oh, he didn't tell us that little trick. That's so crazy. I, I think back on it. There was a flavor. I was like, is that mustard? Or like, there's an underlying so flavor. It's pickle pack. juice. Does, pickle that break, juice. does that kind of break it down because it's acidic? Well, the uh, the new chicken place in town. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what they do with their chicken. Oh. Ah. So that's why it's so good. Their chicken's actually turkey. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Alan's been feeding them turkey yeah. for... <laughs> So, no, it's good. You know, our first uh, six birds came with all three doubles back to back to back. Had really? doubles killed back to back this trip. That was that was a fun experience. That yeah. was your first group? That was the first group. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I bet there was – I could imagine the memories that were just made in 10 days. You know what I mean? Out there is just probably lifetime memories. And I would assume that we've probably worked – man, we've probably worked close to 200-something birds. So every bird on the ranch, because there's not very many birds out we, there. We worked a bunch of birds. Yeah. <laughs> we worked a bunch of birds. Yeah, I think that, and a lot of people don't get to say that they work 200 birds in 10 years. I mean, let's just say 150 birds, whatever. Well, no, I, I'm not I mean, saying there's a number one. an average of 16 to 20 per per day. With I'm just guys. saying like the, the, norm, the normal Montana hunter probably doesn't get to run that many interactions with birds in a... 10 year span that would be that would actually be a cool thing to look at to see like different areas of montana like what size um <laughs> you know flocks they have in their area because yeah. like the place that we hunt over here you know you could see 20 turkeys only at a time but then you can go out to the ranch and see 1500 well i wish that you guys would have because you guys had a planned turkey hunt at your spot couple weeks ago it just something we ended up doing something else i don't remember what happened but we went to the ranch yeah we were shed hunting oh yeah it would have been interesting to see because you guys have never been out there during turkey mating season we've only yeah we've only ever actually harvested a turkey in fall so it would have been very interesting to see what what the what the show looked like out there and speaking of shed hunting alan actually found a a set of sheds this this week yeah so i gotta i did i wanted a question okay question you on that one do you I know you're out there, you're the big turkey guy, whatever. Is there any form of excitement? Because, like, dude, I 
Matt and I have me especially. He won't talk. He won't say it, but I think he's kind of with me too. I'm absolutely addicted to this shed hunting stuff right now. Well, I did just go out there to go shed hunting on Friday. So like there's something about it that just driving me. And I wonder as someone that's there turkey hunting and you've been in the woods your entire life, you've been coming out here for half your life. Was there any form of like that actually got, you got a kick out of that or? Finding the sheds? Yeah. Yeah. So we had just had the conversation. to some of the guys that had come up, like, this is how you find them. You're looking for something white. That's the first thing you do. Start looking and see what you can locate. And we know more pull up and one of those saw those sheds. You know, that was really cool. Yeah. You know, that was, that was pretty cool. Well, then the second coolest thing is we got him on camera. Yeah. Two years that ago, before he shed, shed shed those horns, I will say that was probably the best reaction I've ever seen on camera. Somebody actually find it. I mean, even you know, let alone finding one, but then finding yeah. a matching set. Like that pair. was that was really cool. Well, so we could see the one; it was curled up really nicely. But the there was one laying down below it, kind of in some brush or a, a deadfall, and I couldn't really tell what it was. And but I was hopeful it was going to be the match because they did it exactly how like I talk about like the way that really I find most sheds because. Unless you're out walking around or really traveling hard on a horse or ATV, like most of the ones you would find would be stumbling across them. But if you want a high percentage chance of finding them, you're going to glass them up, sure. right? Oh, yeah. And you have to be at the right angle. I mean, you could have been 400 yards to your right and never seen them. Or 20 yards to the right. Yeah. Depending your eyes, two foot, two foot could yeah. have changed your view. Your eyes deceive you so badly when, you're, when your goal is just to go out and shed hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could... The problem is, is I always like looking under trees... And that's the, the biggest thing where you'll see a branch that looks like a mule deer shed or something, and you're 800 yards away from it. You're like, is it worth going over there? You know? Mm-hmm. But that it's tough. Which is a, and I, that's a spot I'm looking to because um, a lot of times that's a, that's a place where they can hit their horn or yeah. something like that. But I'd say most of the ones we've found this year have been not in the wide open, but they've been in the grass. Well, I mean, even like oh. the three or the two that I spotted <laughs> when you guys pulled up mm-hmm. and saw the other one, I mean, that was a, he, a little bit of elevation change. He must have came down that cut and came back up, and then they dropped. But they were just open, you know, on an open. Well, yeah, like we were. Matt and I were trying to find one the other day. That actually, we were trying to find the ones that Alan said he had glassed up. Yeah. And out of nowhere, Matt about runs one over, and it's like, oh well, you know, that's. And it was disintegrated. Yeah, it was crazy. It was I mean, had to like seven a real old, old shed, dude. It was crazy. If you touched it, it would crumble in your hands. Really? Okay, so I know all of our listeners are are anxious to know this question, and I, I'm just going to ask you now, what was the biggest bird you got? Because that's what everyone wants to know. They don't give a shit if you get 100 birds. What's the biggest beard you got? The biggest beard? So we had a 10-inch beard, 10-inch beard, 9 or inch, no, yeah, 10-inch beard with um, one-inch spurs. And wow. one of those had a uh, had a, um, ivory tip. Okay, very cool. Yeah, wow. so it was good. And then the triple then, beard. Of was, course, the triple beard was it's was it was, was a once in a lifetime beard. There is a double beard up there that had a ten inch main beard with like a seven inch second beard. Holy cow! And, and and I chased him for probably two and a half hours, and he just he had hens with him. Oh know? yeah, and he was in the heavy pine. So if he's if you can't see him there again, I mean, I could I could almost get there. It's, it's the same thing when we're elk hunting him. You know, we chased that seven by eight. I don't know for how long, mm-hmm. but he always had cows with him. He just, sure. it's, it's hard to pull them off. Well, and Alan and I actually had a good conversation about like, cause I'd say 98% of all the turkey knowledge I know is from Alan Taylor and Dave Schaff and Matt Schaff. Like I, of course we've talked about this before. I've done it, you know, on a very small scale over my lifetime. It wasn't calling. It wasn't decoying. So, like, if I'm going for information, I'm going to ask the guys to do it a lot, you know? And I think that 
you know, we've become pretty proficient turkey hunters. You know, it's what what it is. But I was asking him, like, you know, it's cool to see these turkeys. You know, when you look at a group of turkeys, you're like, oh, they're just all the same. They do all the same stuff. But when you start seeing these individual groups, like you were talking about the bachelor, mm-hmm. you know, actual bachelor groups of turkeys and single toms, single hens, you know, I got to share with you that we saw a big tom, and it very well could be the one that you're talking about right now is in the same area. Working hens like a bull elk would work cows. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was so cool to see. And you can actually tell he was so much more mature than the last two turkeys that we had seen, yep. even though they were gobblers, they weren't sure. jakes. But like, there's kings of the castle out there. That's right. And it's very cool to see. Yep. You know, I had one question I was going to ask you too, is obviously, I mean, I'm sure you've hunted more than just the, you know, two species of turkey, but from where you're from, that species to up here when you're hunting the Merriam, um, are you bringing the same tools that you hunt with there, here, or are you changing up things a little bit? So it's like a, um, an adjustable wrench. You can use it to undo multiple things. So, yes, I'm bringing the same tools, but they're not used the same way. Okay. Yep. Because but it's taken you how many years to really understand the Montana bird? Oh, it's, well, this is year 23. Yeah. So, you know, but it's just being around them. That's, that's how you learn what to do different yeah. because everybody calls at them. <laughs> But, in, I mean, we can pick up the phone and call anybody, but to be able to pick the phone up and have a conversation with somebody is totally different. Absolutely. And so uh, that's the same thing with the way you hunt. You've got to yeah. know how to – I mean, you just got to learn it. You got well, to spend time out there. I have a perfect example because Alan and I were sharing this uh, another time yesterday. Um, what he's talking about is, like, anyone can make a noise. You know, there there is a joke with – the. I'm sure you're aware with, like, Meat Eater. You've heard of them yeah. and stuff. I remember there was a running joke for a while that the rumble strip on a highway will make a Merriam gobble, mm-hmm. right? Or a slam door. Um, same thing I think is with like, because I told him, I said, here's a video of me turkey calling. Do you have any critique? And he said, yes, I have critique. You know, because like in my mind, I'm like, I mean, they're responding to me every time I must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, just try this next time, try this next time. And it's like, it's very interesting. You know, there's like an entire code to the process. That's right. So the, the thing that a lot of people forget is that you're not calling the turkey if you're hunting, you're not calling the turkey to get them to gobble. You're calling the tom to have a harvest. Does that make sense? So there's right. a big difference there. So you can I can sit there and make them gobble, gobble, I mean, just all the time. But that's not what we're after. We're after to get them to come to you. So it, you have to learn when to call, when not to, how much to call, what type of call to use. All that plays the part. I totally agree with that because you get like a lot of people that, you know, they're getting into archery elk hunting and they go out there and they assume that if they can make them make noise, mm-hmm. that they're doing it right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big deal on us. I mean, um, you can call, but you over call them, you'll get them to, I mean, they'll oh, turn yeah. and run. Yep. But sometimes you got to call and go for 25 to 40 minutes and your guy's going, what are we doing? You're like, just wait, he's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And then especially down on the river bottom and you'll, you got little signs that you can hear, like on the river bottom, you listen for pheasants. That's your big deal because they'll kick a pheasant up on their way. Or ducks will come up or you'll hear twigs breaking. And it might take, I mean, the longest bull we ever called in was like four and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave, I mean, I even was like, this is stupid. What are we doing? And he's like, he's coming. And I'm like, yeah. bullshit, he's coming. We shot that bull that night. It was at six yeah. by six. When you get the same, opening day. You get the same thing too because 
you know, like a, a bull elk coming in. They, they're pretty quiet when they come in sometimes, unless they're, you know, screaming in your face. Mm. Um, you'll hear twigs break and things like that, but with a turkey? Yeah. I mean, if that thing isn't singing, you have no, I mean, you have a general idea where it's at when it's coming in, but those things are, you know, tiny. They're coming in silent. You got to know the signs too. You got to understand if you don't, if you can't see that bird, you got to, if he's strutting, he's going to, he's going to be spitting and gobbling. Or not, or I'm sorry, sp- spitting and drumming, not gobbling sometimes. They'll come in silent, or you'll hear the wing drag, like he'll get in some leaves or in some something, and he'll be dragging his le- his wings. Um, so there's a lot. And also the hen. You know, the if he's got a hen with her, whatever she says, whatever she, however she calls or however she's talking, you want to talk back to her the same way. So the goal is, is whenever you got a hen, is not to call him, but you call her. You get her excited and get her to bring to come to you, um, to, to come challenge you. Mm-hmm. And th- so you, at that point, you're starting to call a hen. Instead of being a hen, you're actually calling a hen. So it's a different approach for sure. And do you find it tougher, like in Montana than back east, with the vast, with the vast bigness you know like the so, ranch so being I, so big well i have prefer it's easier for me to hunt a bird in the wide open especially with rolling hills now if you're on a big flat you're just you know yeah. it is what it is but i had rather hunt the open areas like back home you asked me what, how do i call or what i do the difference so it's the same call but at home if i'm hunting the eastern there's so many people riding up and down the roads at home, it just starts calling out the window. They'll stop and just start calling or whatever at the birds. So they get really call shy. When you're in a remote area, you don't have that as much unless it's had hunting pressure. So back home, I'll take a long stick and I'll throw it out beside me in the leaves and I'll imitate the hen scratching. So I'll do some purrs and some light yelps, a little bit of putting, not much. I'll call every three to five minutes, but I'm scratching constantly because Every time I'll scratch, a lot of times those gobblers will gobble because he hears that that hen's over there working around and he's bringing himself to me just by scratching. So you don't even have to have a turkey call. You just got to know how to be a a hen Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's hard to beat the live thing. So you've got to be as lively as possible to be the real deal. That makes sense. On the, you know, on the comparison of, uh, you know, archery elk hunting and turkey hunting, um, a very efficient way that you can elk hunt right when you're in the mountains is you could be driving on those trails and get out and basically do a locate bugle into a canyon. Yep. Can you do that same similar thing, yep. turkey hunting? You can. You can? You can. Yep. Okay. Um, and then at that point, you've got to make a decision as far as how aggressive is it going to get. So there again, like on this last year, it didn't matter how far they were. We could work them birds like they was on a string. I mean, we could just reel them in. This year, I had to adjust, and I had to close that gap and get within that close distance. And if I could ever get within that close distance, I could call and do whatever I wanted to do. Well, and that's the craziest thing. Like, me and Riley were shed hunting, running around, and calling, just being, just goofing off. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Riley brought some over a hill through a canyon and back up the other side. Yep. But had we actually been trying to hunt them... You know, oh, yeah. it probably what happened, and we're like, shit, there's turkey everywhere. Everywhere we go, there's a turkey, you know. That would have been a fun one to set up on. And the there was that one later on. Some really cool, you know, you're getting these cool opportunities, and you're like, damn, I wish that you know, we'd been hunting, actually. But I, I enjoy just 
Yep. Just playing with them. Well, it's a good you feeling. Gotta, you got to learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would I'm, say I'm at like my 25% of knowledge that I'm still like, Alan, fortunately, is nice enough to send me videos back and forth all the time. So I practice, but it's like, I'm like, God, I wish Alan could be here for like a month so I can so, really learn. Know, so I used to never use a mouth call. Never. And then I went in hunting one time and I dropped my striker to my slate. I was always a slate guy and I, I lost it somewhere on the way in. And I get out there, and because the bird was gobbling, and I set up, and I'm looking everywhere, and I can't find my striker. I had no choice but to put my mouth call in. And from that moment on, I could blow it. You know, I could I, I could make a sound, and but to my ear, it didn't sound right. Just didn't sound right. But from that moment on, whenever I called that, like you're saying, you called those turkeys, and they came. I knew I trusted myself at that point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't trust ourselves because we think we're not adequate enough or or good enough to use it. Best thing to do is go out there and just call. Yeah. Have you noticed that and with elk calling? Elk calling too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you got you got mouth call guys, you got slate guys, and you got Fox. Trapper Dave, who's nothing oh, yeah. but a sweet and nasty. Yeah, that's it. And uh, you know, we get a lot of guys that'll come up and they'll, you know, they'll be calling. Sometimes they'll go hard and yeah. really hard, really loud. And they're like, oh, you're, and they'll, they'll come up to me because they're too scared to say it to Dave. And they'll be like, you know, your dad's not calling right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you got to go, well, is he not calling right to you? Cause you're from wherever you're from. Right. And you might have hunted Miriam's a hundred times, but has he not called the bird in every time? Yep. Yeah. You See, know? I won't use a, I'll only use a double read in my, or on, on Miriam, but on Eastern or Rio, I'll use a triple read. It's a different tone. See, hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm a little weird when it comes to <laughs> hoochie mamas and, and slate calls and all that kind of stuff. Cause I am, worse at calling with the things that i use my hands for than i am actually just putting a, a diaphragm in my mouth well and i think alan made a good point earlier about like when he said he pulled that call out once you've messed around with a read like you can pretty much do like i wouldn't have any doubt in my mind and i guess i wouldn't i don't have any archery elk cutting knowledge on you like how much you've done in your life but i would have no doubt in my mind that if you walked out to the elk woods you could do you could do it you know a bugle. I'm assuming you could you could work out a bugle. Yeah, we could figure something out. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like once you kind of like get that, once you understand a read, like you, you know, for a while you're like, dude, I don't know, like this turkey thing. I don't know like how you're doing yeah. it. And then I showed you, and you're like, oh, this is actually easier yeah. than elk calling. That was like a really cool yeah. thing that because I, you know, got into diaphragm stuff calls for elk, you know, three years ago. Um, and then last year when we did the turkey raffle and we're like, oh, I'm going turkey hunting. I went and went out and bought a turkey diaphragm and I could, I mean, for the life of me, I just make squeaks. I, I was like, yeah. oh, come on, what? Like, you know, I'm, I'm decent at a, at a elk diaphragm. Why can't I figure this out? And finally it was in the cabin actually that Riley's like, here, try this one. And he gave it to me and all he told me, he goes, put it farther back in your mouth than you would an elk diaphragm. And I did. And I mean, it, it well, and the biggest thing about it is you just got to get it in your mouth and you got to play with it all the time. So like, that's a good point. So my best friend, he wanted, uh, who came last year and came this year as well. He, uh, he wanted to learn how to call. So I told him which call to get and told him put it in his truck and ride up and down the road. And while he's doing it, you know, just start mm-hmm. blowing it. They ain't no, nobody can hear it. You're not driving your wife crazy. So just start blowing. And so he would. So at first it started out that his whole windshield was covered in spit, you know, because he, <laughs> and then he about choked to death driving because he about swallowed the thing, you know. So, but now he can actually blow it. And he's getting there, you know, mm-hmm. but it just takes time. Just like anything else. I did the same thing with uh, learning how to um, 
bugle. Mm-hmm. I just put my bugle tube and a couple diaphragms in my truck when I'm driving to work. I'm like, I'm not annoying anybody but me, mm-hmm. you know, because you sit at home, though, you know, your wife will be yelling at you when you're in the man cave just bugling. But have I ever told you the story of uh, when I learned how to do diaphragms for elk at work? Yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah. it was like, oh, yeah. it was like 2020. Cause Matt, you know, I was, you know, he's, he's, we were running hand calls and, you know, uh, bite and blows and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, what? I just want to, the thing I like about a read, it's hands free. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, you don't have to worry about, you know, losing the call or whatever. I mean, you could lose a diaphragm. I'm trying to come up with some technology where you can, we'll talk about that later. But, um, nine times out of 10, if you keep it in your mouth or keep, I like to keep mine on my bino harness. I don't know where anyone's I keeping too, theirs yeah. too, but, uh, nine times out of 10, you're not going to lose it. And I was like, I'm going to become proficient at this. So, and I had no, di- I mean, just like you, no, like when you put one in your mouth and like, that's how Ramsey is. He's like, I, I can't get it. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I-, I feel like I'm choking. I'm dying. So he won't do it. And that's the same way with Trapper Dave. He, oh, he won't, no. I, I, you couldn't, no. if you said you have to do this to survive, he'd be like, well, put a bullet in me because I'm not, sure. I'm not doing it. You know, the biggest reason why I, I think they're versatile is that using diaphragm calls is because when you're archery hunting, your hands are you know, doing something else. And when you got a guy up, you know, 80 yards above you, that's calling in elk for you. Mm-hmm. And then that, that bull comes in and you need a cow call where in your location to stop him, to get a shot mm-hmm. and you're already drawn. It's a little hard to try and grab your hoochie mama and give it a squeak versus just, you no. know, One, two. Well, same thing. We're trying to run a fan now. So we're fanning these birds in with, with a turkey fan. So it's hard to run a slate call, box call or something, and you're trying to fan that bird. Yep. It's so bad enough when you got binoculars in the fan and Yeah. So So it, let it me gets, ask you a question. Cluttered if you're not careful. We I don't know if you caught I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to any of our podcasts in the recent you know, cost months, mm-hmm. but we had a guy from Massachusetts on here. He runs his own podcast. Oh yeah. Trevor. Big turkey guy. And I want I I because I, I read the you know, I would you call them forums or social media posts and this and that. And, you know, a lot of these guys talk about how decoying and fanning is like frowned upon down south and down back east. And and we talked to uh, Trevor, right? Yeah. Trevor about it. And, you know, he was like, you know, I've used it. I, I uh, you know, personally, I think it makes it too easy where they're at, you know, because they've got, you know, it's Turkey City, blah, blah, blah. I think it's the best tool I've ever learned in my entire life. What's your whole opinion on, you know, what people think about decoying and and how you use it? Like, what's your whole opinion on everything? So, number one, I'm not really worried about what anybody else thinks. Of course. And, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but because um, if I'm going to hunt, I'm going to harvest one. That's the way I see it. You know, that's my goal. So, I'm going to do... If that's what works, then let's do it. If you got a decoy, what, whatever. I, and, and that's what I said on that... that but on that segment too is when you have a paying customer, it don't matter what the hell you have to do. Yeah. Cause they're not there to. Within the guidelines to, of yeah. Montana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, but you, I mean, if that's what works and that's what, and it's yeah, completely legal, then let's do it. Well, well to the friends in the room, yeah. my job is to be the devil's advocate in here sure. and, yeah. and talk like that. Yeah. But my real opinion on it is like, it's one of the best tools I've ever learned. I never did it. And when I had that experience last year that we've all spoke about, it worked and so good. And you were good. successful. Yeah, it was I mean, so aw- And like the experience I got just out of those birds responding, like, oh, yeah. they would come to the edge. You know, I was I was 150 yards away. They'd come to the edge four toms. Sure. And I'd fan, I, you know, I'd move it around nice. I'd just make like a nice, and this I had my- they struck. And I had my uh, my my guy, just, he, I had him, I said, you need to just hold on to my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Don't point your gun at my face, but you need to be on my hip. Yep. 
we just sat there and those turkeys would come to the edge and they'd like like they were mad dude like they were just like like i they kept like they, i've never seen a turkey look mad yeah so think- you know have you used a jerk string on duck decoy absolutely so tie one to if you if you're going to use a decoy tie one on your your hand decoy yep and, and just give and, her a and, little bit of movement. And all of ours, if you notice, have the string yeah. on them already. Yeah. Just give a little bit of, yeah. just a little movement. I mean, yeah. you got to make it as real as possible. I mean, do you, I mean, honestly, do you think those people that say the same stuff about, you know, like fanning is frowned upon, whatever. Do you think if you didn't have decoys in waterfowl hunting, you'd be as successful as you are? No, absolutely no, not. No, no, no. <laughs> so they probably don't think yeah. the same thing about waterfowl hunting. They're just thinking like upland stuff. Yeah. Now know? I tell you, you know, you have to be careful in, in a more populated area, especially if you're hunting like public land. Um, you don't want to go out there fanning a lot where there's people out there because you will get shot. Yeah. And it 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 has happened. You know the the scooting shoots that you see. You, know, you put your put a fan on your barrel and you scoot out there and you shoot them. Those guys were, I mean, that's a cool gig for sure. Is all of your turkey but, hunting down there, uh, like you can, you don't have to wear orange ever? No. Just like yeah. here? Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't have to ever here, do you? Fall. Fall, you do? Yeah, fall. Yeah, 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 right, right. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I, I enjoy it. Um, uh, I want everybody to do what they are comfortable with, you know, whatever that is. I mean, I'll, I'll be supportive of whatever, if if we don't want to hunt with decoys, then that's fine with me. It's just another challenge. Yeah. If you don't want to use a fan and you want me to go with you, then that's okay too. You know, it's, but if you're going to come go with me, I'm probably going to pull a fan out. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's I will too. I, I, will, I mean, I, will, I wouldn't go. And there's like, we talk about two things I'll never leave the truck with anymore. Just based off of real time experience, you can't beat real time. It's just like when you're playing sports in high school. Yep. You can practice all week long, do this, you know, you know, with hunting, you can watch YouTube videos, listen to your friends, whatever, but you're not going to gain the real experience that you need from anything else than game time experience. Mm -hmm. And I will never leave the truck without a fan in turkey season and a Montana cow uh, decoy and just based off of pure experience. Sure. But. Uh, Alan, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to or, or anything before? Or, or what have you been up to maybe? Well, well I think we're, yeah, I, I so, think he's got to catch the know, red eye here. The shout, the shout out only has to go to my bride and my family. There you go. You know? So they've been without me for 10 days and I've missed them thoroughly, you know, so it's time to, time to go. And, uh, we've had a good time, good trip, but it's time to go home to mom and the kids. And, and of course, we would love to have you for seven hours. Uh, we have the best conversations, your good talk, and you're always well versed on the mic. So it's a lot of fun for us. Uh, but due to time constraints, we got to get you out the door. Um, it's been fun. It's really cool to hear about turkey hunting because that's the season we're in, mm-hmm. and that's what people want to hear. And you had some amazing experiences. Hopefully, uh, some of us might be going out next week, getting some fun. Probably the end. Well, we have a turkey hunt in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, we're not going to end things here with with us. We'll do a little outro for ourselves. But for now, we're going to get Alan on the road. Thanks, Alan, for being here. And we're looking you. forward to the next one. You're very welcome, guys. All right. We'll be right back. That was a good time. It was. Really I'm glad to have him. This is getting... <laughs> this podcast... losing people. We're, people are dropping like flies. Not only is Alan gone, but Matt is also gone now. <laughs> it's me and Sean. Uh, we should do it. We should do a podcast with just the two of us someday. We'll call it something something different. We could just do like a Weddle showdown. Too. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Uh, but yeah, thanks for God, thanks to Alan, man. That's he really went out of his way to get on here and get some words in. And we were talking when he left. It's like it's been fifty, almost fifty episodes between yeah. the last time he was About here. Exactly a year, almost. In. Um, and I still, you know, I had someone the other day hit me up, and they were like, "I see you have a podcast. What are the 
top three ones I should listen to right now. Alan Taylor's in the top three for me. When I when I suggest to someone, it's at, I'll be right. And no offense to anyone else. I just have, you know, just how they went, the conversations we had. My top three, Alan Taylor, Victoria Livshitz, and uh tie between uh, I really enjoyed the Chance Windsor Josh one with the elk. That was a lot of fun. Or Kevin Bocci. Yeah. But those are my I like the I liked outdoor drives with Trevor. That was that was a good one too. And even uh Nick's was really fun this year. We've had a we've had some really good ones this yeah. year. Uh anything from season two has been really I haven't had anything that like I was like, eh, we just kind of just did that podcast and put it out. And even last night was a ton. I had a ton of fun yeah. doing the the multi hour podcast with Nick. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so we're gonna finish things up here. We have some Bull Mountain Brothers current events that we just want to talk about. I don't remember if we talked about this in the interview, but oh, it's not gonna matter because the time that this is posted, I just realized by the time this is posted, everything, we'll have already done this. Yeah, everything. Will but happen. if you, if I'm just gonna say it right now, if you guys made it out to our booth May 13th with Sean Ramsey and Matt, um, and you guys supported us, we want to thank you a lot. That w- oh, yeah. that's gonna be awesome. Oh, it's very weird. I feel like I'm in time time travel right now, um, but that's really cool. Shoot, even by the time this is posted, we might have already done our turkey hunt. Yeah, probably. So, and we may do a double podcast week because we're trying to get ahead. Yeah, somehow. We really want to do 100 episodes. I have our 100th episode this year, so we're trying to, we're going to do a couple weeks where there's some double podcasts and this may be a time that it happens. Yeah. What else we got going? By now, you guys should see our clothing line should be out. Uh, we've gone from uh, merchandise, uh, you know, podcast merch here and there to uh, we're trying to be a legitimate clothing company. We're trying to get cool designs. I mean, Sean's decked out in the Coyote uh, shed shirt right now. I got the new hat. Um, let us go, let us know what you guys think. If it's attractive, if you want to buy it, we love it. We just put another order in with some more designs and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. shoot, that might even be out by the time this. I hope so. Could be. Could be. But uh, other than that. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. It was cool to have Alan on here. Definitely. Um, next week, I can talk about this. So so I don't I'm trying to think when this podcast is gonna be posted, but within the next week or two, our booth at Broadview Days should be running. Uh so if you guys can get out to Broadview, Montana, starts about noon, they run a parade, they do uh events at the bar they have like a little uh booth deal at the park. We're actually gonna run our booth at the bar this year, so we're gonna sell tickets for uh, we got a raffle coming up. I don't. That might be announced by now too. It might be. <laughs> I have no idea. This is crazy. Um, we're going to be running a new raffle by then, um, and then uh, we're going to be selling all of our merch there. And then Sean and I are going to take the reins on. We're going to try and do like a like a sports casting deal. They're doing a yeah. cornhole tournament, mm-hmm. which we're looking forward to because I that's kind of our up our alley. Yeah, you know, and we we have good vibes. I think on we can banter back and forth on. Oh, looks like John's over there about ready to. Drop a. We need to learn some cornhole lingo. I know, something F and A cotton. I mean, that's yeah. gonna be, probably be said a lot. But. And then Matt and Ramsey. You know, Ramsey's gonna be on the ones and twos, and the two of them are gonna be doing. Uh, they're probably gonna be running it through the loudspeakers, like where people need to be, and also potentially doing some mic up interviews along. It's just gonna be fun. It it's is. gonna be way over the board for what it is. Yeah, but that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, so we'll do that. And then, you know, like I said, our booth's going to be in two different places selling merchandise. And then if you guys want to stay afterwards, they're going to do fireworks and a live band. So really fun weekend. That's June 3rd. Starts at noon. That's Broadview, Montana. Check that out. Um, as far as we f- are going for today, um, I think we're good. Me and Sean are going to end things up here. And then uh, we're going to, we got a lot of things going on this weekend. A lot of Bull Mountain Brothers things that we got to go home and finish. But uh, 
for today. This is Saturday the 6th. Um, we're going to end things here for now. Yeah. It was fun. It was. It was a whirlwind, and it's good to be over, but it was a lot of fun on the way. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we don't have to do things like this a lot in the future. Hopefully, it's more planned like we like it, but... You never know. We made it happen. Fly by the seat of our pants. We made it happen, and I'm, I'm proud of that. So, uh, as always, catch you on the next one. See you later. I just wanted to take a moment of your time to talk to you about one of our sponsors, F&H Contracting and Fence, located in Billings, Montana. If you're looking to spruce up your yard or want a little more privacy for them summer backyard barbecues, or maybe you just need part of your fence repaired, contact our friends at F&H Contracting and Fence by texting 406 406- 661-7484. From front yards to farm yards and even chain link to vinyl, they've got you covered. Now back to the action. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bull Mountain Brothers. Hey, if you're looking for more Bull Mountain Brothers, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at bull underscore mountain underscore brothers and Facebook and YouTube at Bull Mountain Brothers. Also, don't forget to check out our B&B store at bullmountainbrothers.com where you can find some super sweet deals on some seasonal merchandise and outdoor gear.